and welcome back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is Monday, November 8th. It was a nice weekend in the state, guys. College game day coming to Cincinnati. Not exactly the win we were hoping for, but Cats and Buckeyes get the win. Great day on Sunday. Wonderful day <laughs> of watching football on Sunday. And just, you know, just grinding his teeth overall, uh, a, a real fun weekend. We've got a, we've got a good show. Once again, two shows this week. Uh, today we're talking football. We're, you know, talking about the Battle of Ohio yesterday uh, and talking about some college football playoff. Also got a, a very interesting beer from in Westchester. I believe we've done this brewery before, but this was too interesting of a beer for us to pass up. And uh, for our Friday show, we're previewing college basketball because, guys, Tuesday is the start of college basketball. Crazy. Wild. really snuck up on you there yeah you don't really even think about it until i i always seems like it doesn't start till like right before thanksgiving and maybe that's just because everybody plays some like whatever teams but i feel like it normally starts like middle of november which i guess is only like another week but i don't think about till january normally that's true but usually you at least get that first like all those tournaments around thanksgiving fun tournaments yeah Yeah. so We'll get to all of that on uh, Friday's show, so be sure to check in our other edition of 30 Rack on Friday. But first, for our intros, to my right, the biggest UC fan I know, a guy who would root for the Bearcats over every other team, every other collegiate program, no matter what. Not true. It's Zach. Not Zach, true. how we doing today? I'm doing good. All but one. And I have every right to do that. Uh, I've given that university plenty of money. I can do whatever the fuck I want. (laughs) Zach, uh, one of the guys in attendance at College Game Day, how was the experience down on uh, McMicken? A lot of Jesus signs. That's what I got out watching signs. Embarrassingly, number of Jesus signs. Considering they've been like at Alabama and Texas. Yeah, I know. It was super embarrassing. No, it was fun. We had a good time. Weather was great. Uh, We drank a lot. So I don't remember all of it, but we had a fun time. It was a beautiful morning. It really was, it was actually. Fantastic. I well overdressed. I was like sweating and stuff. Yeah, you guys were all telling me I was going to be cold. And I was like, no, yeah, you no, were. man. I've got you thought right. the you warmth of the right. bear cat behind me. That that other voice you're hearing to my left is a guy that I'm amazed. You know, we didn't have to put him on mute today. I thought his voice might be a little tired. No, no real roar left to give. It's uh, Josh on the ones and twos. Josh, how are we doing today? Uh, my voice is still a little sore after everything this week, but uh, yeah, and it's funny, Zach, that you said I was grinding my teeth because I it might have been. I found out today that I have a small chip uh, and a tooth, and so maybe maybe I was that frustrated yesterday. Ah, not, I, I think from, that's just in general watching Ohio sports as long as all of true. us have. You know? It's built up over time. It, it's definitely built up over time. And myself, my name's Greg, and honestly, guys, I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel like the king of the jungle today. <laughs> Big win on Sunday for my brownies. Feeling fantastic. Are we back? The answer's maybe. We'll find out. Big game next no week BJ, in New England. The cancer's gone. Flip the switch. Flip Donovan the switch. Peoples-Jones maybe actually the answer. Who would have thought? A Michigan man. Is Baker Mayfield a lover? Kenny Hatt, does he have that in him? <laughs> Can he rule with a compassionate heart? Well, we've all found out the code to First Energy Stadium thanks to those fun progressive commercials. So we'll see if he can be a lover and we'll see if the Browns can get a couple more wins here before their bye week. Guys, let's get to the beer. But before we do that, let's recap this wild weekend in Ohio. 
We start Saturday, as it was a huge weekend for the Bearcats, hosting college game day and getting some frustrations out via sign with the playoff committee, who put the Cats at number six before seeing Lee Corso don that sweet, sweet Bearcat headgear. The Bearcats came out firing, but the effort turned flat quickly as the Cats almost blew a 16-point lead, holding off Tulsa not one but two straight times in goal line situations to escape 28-20 in a game that hurt their position with the committee as well as hurt star running back Jerome Ford, who the Cavs hope to have next week as they travel to Tampa to take on the USF Bulls. In Lincoln, the fifth-ranked Buckeyes had an up-and-down game were able to hold off the Cornhuskers 26-17. C.J. Stroud went as the team did, having some ups including 400 yards and two touchdowns, but was also picked picked off twice. The big story from the game was wide receiver Jackson Smith-Najigba, who had 240 receiving yards, which is second all-time in a game by an Ohio State wide receiver behind Terry Glenn's 253 back in 1995. He helped carry the... He helped carry the offensive load with Garrett Wilson out for the game. The Buckeyes await a tricky test next week as upside, upset-minded Purdue, who already has two top three upsets this season, visit Columbus on Saturday. But of course, before all of that, we have some rankings to come out on Tuesday to see where everybody's at. On Sunday, Ohio had its own rumble in the jungle with the Browns heading to Cincinnati for the first battle of Ohio for the year. The Bengals quickly drove down the field near the goal line, but a 99-yard interception return by former Buckeye Denzel Ward got the Browns on top 7-0. The Bengals then put together another long drive together, this time cashing in for 7 points. But then the Browns took over, scoring on their first three offensive drives to take a 24-10 lead into the break and finish off a 41-16 victory to put both teams at 5-4. The Bengals' offense moved the ball well, but three turnovers stalled the team out, and the Browns were able to take advantage with big plays, becoming the first team since the 1960s with an interception return touchdown, rushing touchdown, and pass touchdown of 60 yards or more. The Bengals now get their much-needed bye week, while the Browns head to New England to face the rolling Patriots. To wrap up the week in sports, thankfully, the crew and FCC seasons ended Saturday after disappointing years that saw the crew finish one point out of the playoffs and FC Cincinnati finishing in last place in the league for the third straight year. On the ice, the Jackets got back-to-back wins over Colorado this week, getting their win streak up to three and their record to seven and three. The Cavaliers also got to seven wins this year, sitting at seven and four after a four and oh week that included three road wins. They now have a four-game homestand coming up, but unfortunately that and the next couple weeks will be without guard Colin Sexton, who was diagnosed with a torn meniscus uh, this afternoon. And finally, college basketball is back this week. The action starts Tuesday as the 17th-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes welcome Akron to the shot, and the Cincinnati Bearcats open up the West Miller era with Evansville coming to town. Be sure to check out our full college basketball preview for all those teams and the whole rest of Ohio's teams this Friday on 30 Rack. Oh, beer of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, how do you do that? That's cool. Guys, for our beer of the week this week, we've got a actually a repeat brewery uh, beer this week. 
was just too good for us to pass up. Uh, it comes from Westchester's Grainworks Brewing. And if you remember back uh, a little while ago, we had their coconut lime donut gosa from Grainworks, which was a good one. W- weird mm, but excellent beer. And we've got another one that's a little bit out there. It is Grainworks' What's in the Middle Cookies and Cream Stout. So it's their kind of Oreo cookies and cream stout from Grainworks. It's got that nice uh, brown stout color, six and a half percent abv first thoughts on the beer guys it's a good one it's 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 different you kind of have to get past that having well, a a liquid oreo a carbonated liquid oreo taste i was about to say the, the fizzy part of the oreo really caught me off guard at first but you kind of go and you get all of the different oreo flavors in there yeah it comes together right it's deconstructed if you will yeah, it's, it's a great in- way to put it because you kind of get, yeah, you get all the this flavors. This whole conversation seems like deja vu, but uh. <laughs> it's an inverted, it's an inverted cookie liquid and you're like, huh, what is in the middle? <laughs> really? That's what it's called. <laughs> Why'd they name it that? What is in the middle? Yeah, and uh, it is a, um, a milk stout, so you get some of the, you know, lactic in there, so you do get that creamy taste um, and as well as obviously the heavy chocolate and this is though it's different you do kind of think of these you know chocolate beers more as stouts so it is a little bit more on brand with that but the milk stout additive and just having like you have the like cookie and the chocolate flavor along with the cream flavor i mean it's one of those things that's very uh very dense in all the different flavors it has right and we are going to be getting into more seasonal stouts that are more you know, your spiced stouts, your good, your, war- your holiday, warmers and go. stuff. Yeah. Uh, this one's more of a, I don't know if you guys would classify this as a dessert beer. Because um, definitely just, it satisfies that sweet tooth. But this is a limited time special release for their uh, anniversary back in 2017. Uh, so only be around for a little bit longer, guys. Yeah, uh, Grainworks, uh, fantastic brewery if you haven't been there. Um, off Cox Road in Westchester, kind of in that industrial area. A um, lot of good beers, usually have a food truck, uh, definitely during the weekend, sometimes during the week. So a lot of good beer, uh, including some of their, you know, more standards, like their Hell is Real, um, you know, their Cincinnati, um, Hell is Beer, uh, Picket Fence, and, you know, a whole lot more. So, uh, you know, whether you're someone that's a little bit more adventurous, they've got the beers for you, or if you're a little bit more kind of uh, up the middle as you like your solid, you know, ales and, uh, you know, Hellas Lagers and IPAs, they've got those for you too. So be sure to check out Grainworks Brewing in Westchester, Ohio. And if you get a chance, check out their What's in the Middle Cookies and Cream Stout. for our first segment we're talking a little battle of ohio yesterday's game the first meeting between the browns and the Bengals this year in cincinnati browns take it to get back on track Bengals now on a two-game losing streak browns 41 Bengals 16 the Bengals now in the course of two weeks fall from first place in the afc to last place in the AFC North. Um, as we mentioned early in the game, uh, the Bengals had 20 straight plays 
without the Browns running an offensive play. I believe it was 11 plays in their first drive. Then ended with a 99-yard pick six and then a uh, nine-play touchdown drive. Uh, on the Browns side, Baker Mayfield in a game without the uh, with Odell being freed, uh, 14 of 21, 218 yards, two touchdowns, uh, spread the ball around, eight receivers caught a pass, and no one was targeted more than five times. Uh, Nicholas Jamal Chubb, don't know if you've heard of him, uh, 14 rushes, 137 yards, two touchdowns, including a 70-yard touchdown run. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Bengals killer. Two receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown. It was a 60-yard touchdown reception. Yeah, I also had the game winner last year. I forgot about yeah. that. Um, on the Bengals side, Joe Burrow, 28 for 40, 282 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, although one of them might have been more on the receiver. Uh, sacked five times. Joe Mixon, 13 rushes for 64 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jamar Chase, six receptions, 49 yards, and a fumble lost. Um, I mean, mm. I, I don't know where we want to start. Is it all falling here? down, Josh? I was going to say, I guess we'll start with Josh. Um, do you need a new quarterback, I think is well, the question. Impressions on the game. <laughs> is there anything good you can take away from this? Uh, we're going we're gonna to do this. And... Um, I guess where are you at with the Bengals right now after watching this game? I want some hot takes. Uh, of course, two weeks ago, you were kind of on the uh, top of the world, I think you'd say. <laughs> he said that. Yeah, uh, I did say that. <laughs> he did now say you're that. back to five and four. Do you have a, a bye week, but a very difficult last eight games to your schedule? How are you feeling? Uh, I, there's no need to panic. You know, Jamar Chase finally had... Uh, a rookie game, worst game of his young career so far, easily. Uh, dropped over half of his tar, missed over half of his targets, his 13 targets, I think. Which was the most this year for him. Yeah. I, I would say maybe the uh, the Jets game, because it was the most targets this year, 13. His second fewest yards with 49, he had 32 versus the Jets. Lowest receiving average. In catches, yeah, only his third game without a touchdown, and the second worst completion percentage on targets. He was six of thirteen today catching passes thrown to him. Three of nine versus the Jets last week. Also lost a fumble. Yeah, they they only had two plays that went for twenty yards or more, and literally only a twenty yard play and a twenty one yard play. Uh, all game long. They just could never seem to find their rhythm. Like, even when they were driving, something would mess it up. Just ridiculous turnovers. Uh, I see a pattern rising. I'm not panicking. You do do start to worry (laughs) about a a pattern arising here. Um, I don't know if he needs to get his eyes checked or what, but I I also think it's just a matter of him as a player, you know, coming from LSU and everything you can you can make some of those throws and questionable throws and you can get away with yeah. it um but that that's not his aggression his aggressive style of play won't won't get you the miracles that it got you then and I don't know if that's what's going on I don't know some of them some of them though you watch them and they're bad interceptions Really bad interceptions. Like, what are you doing with the yeah, football? Was, yeah, was kind of baited into that pick, that 99-yard. I mean, the second pick, the the Josh Johnson pick, was one of those where 
you know, Ward got in there, the ball kind of popped up. Part of it was on the receiver, yeah. and then Johnson got it. But the first one was, you know, Ward kind of played him there. Right. Looked, you know, kind of lulled him to sleep thinking it was an easy throw and, uh, you know, picked it off. Burrow now um, tied for the league lead in interceptions. Uh, him and Sam Darnold both have uh, 11 interceptions so far. Uh, also, Burrow sacked five times. Uh, he is now uh, in fourth place as far as sacks behind uh, Brian Tannehill, uh, Teddy Throsevelt, and Justin Fields. But that Baker, was Baker only one sack behind him. So I, I think that's that. the one thing you kind of called it on your who you got pick, uh, who you got pick last week, Greg, that – this would be the week the Browns step up and start to get some disruption at the line. But I think you see, I'd say my biggest concern actually for the team is you see what a little bit of injury and a little bit of adversity during your practice week can do and mess up on that f- offensive line for the Bengals. You know, a couple, a couple minor injuries and some shuffling around this past week doesn't help you. So if, I've kind of we've kind of always said that from the start of the season. You know, they got a good group in there where they could get a solid offensive line. No doubt, if that group stays healthy. Now (laughs) things start to teeter a little bit, and I wouldn't say it's you give up five sacks. I wouldn't say it's as much there. I would say the big issue with the Bengals is because they were moving the ball early. You know, even on their third drive, they turned it over on downs. Really, Burrow was getting sacked. The issue, I think. First and foremost comes to, well, I guess it's kind of twofold. One comes to the turnovers. You know, you can't have those. It puts you behind the eight ball. And two is, you know, giving up the big plays. You turn around and, you know, the Browns have a, you know, two-play drive or a one-play drive. I think, you know, I think both of their long touchdowns were less than three-play drives. And, you know, when you get behind, you start to press. And the Browns, even though they've given up some leads, are a team that you can't Right. exactly press like that because you know they can pin their ear you know Clowney yeah. can get you know Garrett obviously can get to the to the backfield Clowney can get to the backfield Troy Hill today had it says two sacks but during the broadcast they said three so either two or three sacks I believe three would be the most by a Browns cornerback ever so they were doing some different yeah, ways of lot. blitzing which is nice but uh you know some of it like I said, you know, one play 60 yards, two plays 70 yards. You get down 24 to 7, 31 to 10. You start to press a little bit, and that's when this defense can feast and get it, you know, get after yeah, you. you know, and, and, and it felt like after a while, the team and coaches included were just kind of, you know, stumbling to try and get back up on their feet and, like, couldn't, couldn't get upright ever again. And when you're doing that on a defensive team like the Browns are, that's just not going to work out for you. When you've got over half an hour in possession, only four penalties, 15 passing first downs. I mean, 25 first downs. Some of them were just the 99-yard interception and everything. Some of them stalled out. But you can't be going three for 11 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down, yet have 25 first downs, four penalties, 35 minutes possession, and all you can walk out with is 16 points. It's just that's that's the continued pattern that worries me, Zach. You're talking about a pattern for Burrow. It's the pattern yeah. for me with the coaching staff that especially Zach Taylor that, you know, 
Sometimes you pull out these flashy plays in the middle of a drive or anything, but when you need third and two, you can't seem to achieve that right now. Well, I think I think we're all in agreement that Zach Taylor's not the answer there. Uh, how long that's going to take for them to realize, I don't know. Um, well, last time it took them most of my <laughs> lifetime. Hey, Marvin, Marvin had some years, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He bought himself some time. Sure. He bought himself. He did sure. have... He had some... He had no, some yeah, yeah, yeah. But... uh Sure. Yeah, that's part of it. I think Burrow, I don't think there's anything to be too concerned about. I think your point with the, um, you know, he threw two picks in the Packers game, and those were kind of similar situations there. I think a lot of it, like you said, I think he played he played hero ball one year. Let's not forget his junior year at LSU. Right. Very mixed bag. Yeah. yeah um, like, what, like 10 touchdowns, 9 picks or something Yeah. Like that. And I don't mean that's who he is. I just think you got to remember he didn't play a full season last year. They're still developing. Right. I think it is a little bit who he there's is. A I lot. mean, he's just. I mean, he, there's a little a gunslinger in there. Yeah. He's going to throw it around, which I mean, you like to have. I mean. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, he's got you the know, moxie. You know. I mean, Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah. is, you know, known known four for touchdown, the most. three interception nights. Yeah. I mean. And, that it can work. kind of play, you know. It's but not, I think if not you're gonna, everyone likes it, but I'd rather have that. I think if you're going to make Joe Burrow work and if that's who he is, that's fine. But then you need more aggressive play calling. Like you've <clears throat> to make that kind of I, make that work. You've always got to be pressing the issue, right? I right. mean, do, don't you agree? I think the conservative, like you said, every once in a while we're going to do something. Right. That's when it kills you. It just seems all over the place sometimes. I don't know, but the Browns, you know, turn things around here and. It's certainly going to get interesting. I think uh, it was the OBJ, man. Yeah, I do. I, I think it is. Every statistic you go back and you take a, on the field, off the field. I mean, no one else's yeah. parents is tweeting at the team no, about man, so, their have that kids' shit. playing time. I think, I mean, this? obviously the first thing that helped today was getting the turnovers, getting yourself you saying in, today or yesterday. It, it all feels like one glorious <laughs> He's day. Riding. He's it riding. All feel, I haven't slept. I've been on cloud nine ever since. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing about yesterday is you got the two or you got some early turnovers. You got the early lead. You were able to kind of play how you want to play. You know, they ran the ball pretty well. Baker only, I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of offensive plays. Uh, but, you know, Baker only threw the ball 21 times. A lot of them short routes really, you know, their second leading receiver was Nick Chubb with two catches for 26 yards. I think their longest pass play outside of the Peoples-Jones one was a yeah, it was a Nick Chubb streak that the Bengals just decided not to cover. So the offense, I think, starting to have some of those explosive shots back, but also starting to kind of run their offense where they're, you know, they have some injuries on the offensive line, get the ball out quick, focus on Nick Chubb. The one thing that I think you did see that is a little bit worrisome, at least for me, is uh, not having Kareem Hunt. I think in the red zone, there were a couple times where they just barely found the touchdown on third down mm. or, you know, had to settle for a field goal. Not having Kareem Hunt, who is a fantastic, like, pattering ram within the five-yard line. Yeah. So having him there is great. But overall, just, I mean, a clean game, you know. Only two sacks for Baker. No turnovers. Nick Chubb ran the ball. I mean, 10 yards a clip. Everybody played really well. Defense, you know, got the, I mean, defense held them in check. A little bit of bend, but don't break. Got three turnovers, and I think they'd only had like 
five picks or something or five turnovers mm-hmm. coming into the game this year. So it certainly seems like there's a you know a rallying around. I mean, finally the offense is getting something going, and I just kind of hope they can push forward. But I want to push this Beckham narrative a little bit. I don't buy. No, I know. I'm just saying I don't normally buy one guy. They're they're pros, right? You know, one guy doesn't tank or win you a season. I don't know though. You look at the like I say. You look at the stats with Baker. You know, with Beckham on or off the field since they've gotten him. Dra- <clears throat> I don't say drastically, but they're they're quite different. I think Baker looks better when he is or isn't on the field. Do you think it's uh? As far as the offense goes, do you think whether... I mean, you have a weapon like that. I don't blame Stefanski or them or Baker being like, oh, I got to try to get him the ball. So, you know what I mean? Or, but does that do anything that leads to press? I've always said I hated when coaches said, like Urban Meyer was notorious for, for this at Ohio State, right? I'm going to get so-and-so, make sure he gets 15 touches. Yeah. Now, that's forcing it. But, I mean, it does tend to lead to a stagnant offense. So I, I think the one thing that you saw is uh, what I believe they said, you know, Baker's top five QBR games since he's been in the league. Uh, four of them were uh, without OBJ, and the other one, he was stressed but not healthy or so, something along the lines of he played very few snaps. Right. And I think even seeing this offense, you know, the offense at the beginning of the year looked really looked pretty good, and then it kind of took a step back. And I thought some of it had to, you know, the offensive line was injured. Well, there are a ton of injuries. Backs, but you yeah, there were a ton yeah. of injuries. But also, it seems like with Odell, one, you try to force the ball. But when you have, I, I feel like the play calling wasn't inducive to the offense to try to get Odell involved. You know, he was a guy that at times you could get him take slants to the house. But it wasn't that. It was, let's run these long routes and keep Baker back there for a long time. And you could see... You know, aside of aside of really the Peoples Jones play that they threw pretty far down the field, and I think there was one other throw that you know Baker just didn't have anything, and he threw it out of bounds. A lot of them were you know quick slants or boots, and when he got to a certain point, throw to a guy. You know, get the yeah. ball out quickly. And I think just having the way that Baker plays and the way this offense runs and the way this offense wants to run isn't quite as inducive. Odell playing and it's I wouldn't say it's anything against Odell because I think he you know his his dad pointed it out he was getting open right no some of it was you know the offense just wasn't conducive to Baker getting the ball to him and you can put that on Baker you can put that on him you can put it on Stefanski as well as far as the play caller just never meshed but yeah weirdly weirdly enough for that length of time granted Beckham was in and out yeah missed periods of time well and that that was also the thing that you know they said is you know, Beckham rehabbed by himself, didn't really play with Baker a lot. And Odell was, you know, Odell missed the Freddie Kitchens time was you know pretty much a mess. <laughs> right. And then they were starting to figure out something. Then Odell gets hurt versus, you know, they had a huge game against the Cowboys last year. And then Odell gets hurt. They played pretty well. He comes back. Odell's missing the first few weeks. Odell comes back. Baker gets hurt like before then. So he's barely practicing. So they're yeah. barely on the practice field together. And I'm not going to say... Look, I do not think having Odell on the team at this point, I, I it took me forever. I was the last, even during the trade deadline, I was like, do not trade him. Do not trade him. <laughs> He's and a weapon. finally, at this point, it's just one of those things where it's it's almost uh, it's almost a weird addition by subtraction. You rarely, rarely see that by with stars. But in the NFL, where, every, where so many things are such, 
uh, you know, plug and play pieces in the right spot. Yeah. You know, if you have a guy that you need to give the, you know, if you, if you, if the Chiefs or someone who, brought, who throws the ball a lot has to get a running back who needs to run the ball, you know, 25 times, it's going to affect their team a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, you know, I'm maybe agreeing. this year would be better. But, you know, overall, <laughs> if you look at some of those teams, if they have, you know, teams that run the ball more, if they have a wide receiver who wants to get, you know, 10, he 13 wants targets touches. a game, yeah. it's not exactly the way this offense runs. And you could see how efficient, you know, Baker was. Really, the only you know, the only guys with the only guy with more than three targets was Landry, and he got five targets, and most of them were like quick screen passes. Right. So, at that point, you know, you see what the Browns are. They were successful early in the year. You know, Baker wasn't throwing for three hundred yards, but he was up over you know seventy, eighty percent completion. That fell to fifty percent or lower. Now he's back up to that point. You just have to realize. This is what the Browns are, and you have to get people to help the Browns. They it, fit the, yeah, fit yeah, the. Because they were even talking, you know, on ESPN or something about all these, you know, great wide receivers that are free agents. And if you clear some cap room, and it's like, I don't know how many of these top wide receivers would be, you know, great in this system right now. You need some solid pass catchers. You need a guy like Landry who loves to get the, you know, give me the pass at three yards and let me run. They have right. three good pass catching tight ends. They have Felton, who's a great you know like wing back that they can split out and then they have their two burners that they can put on the outside who aren't looking to get 50 catches but will sometimes scoop past the out or defense in people's jones and schwartz and that's yeah. kind of what you want the browns offense to be so that's pretty much where it is for the browns browns go to new england next week um Bengals need that buy. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I guess just one last thought, especially as as the Bengals kind of get a reset and the Browns move into kind of an interesting part of their schedule. Uh, you know, November where they have Patriots, Lions, Ravens by Ravens. <laughs> uh, looking at the rest of this, you know, schedule, even the Broncos looked feisty. Steelers maybe playing better, you know. Really, 49ers, but you still have the Ravens, Chiefs, Browns, Chargers. How are you feeling about the Bengals by the end of the year? And, you know, I know your expectations were maybe around a 500 team. If they get to, you know, eight and nine, are you still feeling like this is a successful season? Uh, Yeah, I'd like them to win four to five more games. I, I think they can win four more games. Um, so you think they can go four and four and finish nine and eight? Yeah, and I think that would be, um, and depending on how things shake out, um, you know that that may be that may be enough for you to earn a spot. I'd like to see you steal one more game and increase those chances. But a nine and eight season, that's you know, let's, huge. Uh, yeah, let's 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 remember expectations are pretty low here. We were still <laughs> saying one or two years away. So I'd, I'd very much consider it a successful yeah, season and, still. And if you were about a 500 team or, you know, especially if you were over 500 where you'd say, hey, we were right there. And, you know, maybe if they would have had things, you know, I don't know. You could put it at the Bears or the Jets game, I guess. You yeah. Know, you're right there. Even the Packers game was a missed field goal away. You could right. point that you're close to at least yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Things, just, things aren't as bad as they seem just because we lost to the Cleveland Browns. Who... We'll get to play again one day. <laughs> yeah, last game of the season. Um, 
January 9th, week 18, the first ever week 18. That's so weird. Going to be a cold uh, one. Going to be going to be a very cold one in Cleveland. Uh, will be interesting to see where they're at. That's it. Browns, Bengals. Browns 41, Bengals 16. Whether you love the chocolate cookie or you're all about the creamy middle, this milk stout will satisfy your sweet tooth without the crumbs. This special anniversary beer, brewed in honor of Grainworks 2017 founding, has become a perennial favorite. Treat yourself and toast another delicious year. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. It's a good one. It is a good one. It's, I like uh, it. I'm new, not usually too big on the dessert style beer, but I'm, this is I'm actually not, really good. It really guy. satisfies that sweet tooth, especially if you're the chocolate guy. But it's not overly sweet either. No. No, you still no. get the beer stout taste. Yeah. At the, it's very, like we said earlier, it's very deconstructed. You get your cookie, you get your cream, you get your milk stout. Yeah, and uh, just taking a look at the can, obviously, Grainworks has a clean logo, that kind of, you know, the mill look with the Grainworks, and then also the can, not an Oreo. It's a chocolate cookie with, like, what looks to be an owl almost in the middle. Oh, yeah. With some cream guys, in the middle and another cookie on the other side. Do you guys know what that owl is in the middle there? What Grainworks has this logo. They've got that, you know, the one on the side of the can here, that main uh, with the gear and everything. Yeah. But yeah. then at the brewery, I'm pretty sure it's on, like, one of the walls. They have this giant eagle, falcon, whatever you want to call that bird. But the eyes are made with the, the, the gears. Oh, yeah, you can even see that a little bit. And then the middle of the face is a hop. And then the wings are made with, like, uh, wheat, little wheat things. Yeah, interesting. It's a really cool, really cool wall wall art and kind of secondary logo they have there. I noticed that earlier. I was like, is that that thing? Right. (laughs) Thing from the brewery they have. But, yeah, they're little, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's a... a, Something of the avian variety. Yeah, it's a bright... uh, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe this color. Uh, blue green, like a are teal you, color. Are you colorblind? It's turquoise. Yeah, turquoise. Turquoise. Aqua. aqua yeah. Okay. Don't know how to describe. Greg only knows. He only knows primary colors. What color? Not, that's not what true. What shade of color is chartreuse? Is that what this is? I only. I know secondary colors. Oh, I'm sorry. Greg knows six colors. If it's not in that color palette, he can't name it. I was not. I was not exactly you caveman uh, trying to describe a spaceship. Like in the I was not basic. exactly. Uh, great at art we'll say <laughs> that well thank god we have these fine folks at Grainworks to uh yeah. give us a great beer and some great artwork for our second segment guys we're talking a little college football rankings and honestly how blasphemous they were um all of us had our had our rankings last week on 30 rack of sports uh believe it or not all of us a little bit higher on the <laughs> On you see no on the Bearcats than some people were expected to see Oklahoma up there, which they were also not even in the top six. I'm I'm uh, ha- happy about that. That was um, the one thing they got right. Yeah, and then uh, kind of amazed by by some of the the teams in there. Uh, so last week's top six, uh, just to go through their weeks. Number one wasn't really a shock to anyone no. in uh, Georgia. They took care of uh, Mizzou, forty three to six. We're down three nothing at one point though, so there's a moral <laughs> victory. Uh, the first shock, I mean, came right at number two. Some of us didn't even have Bama ranked in the top five. Uh, Bama comes in at number two. Uh, that we'll get to it, but that—that's honestly, that's the biggest travesty. Yeah, 
Uh, Bama escapes LSU, giving them the ball three times in the last six minutes. Uh, LSU just could not move the ball at the end of the game. Uh, Bama wins 20-14. to 14. Michigan State comes in at number three, which I don't think was super shocking. I mean, some people expected them to see them in the top they four. They would have been in the top four. I would have yeah. put them, I think I had them four. So, I remember right, yeah. Yeah, uh, but they followed that up. <laughs> they took the trip to Purdue. I'll tell you what, goddamn Purdue, man. No one, <laughs> no one wants... That sign what is that, 16 wins as an unranked opponent against the, what is it, top... Top five, top I think. Top f- five most all-time by like yeah. a wide margin. Absurd. Someone had that uh, that sign right next to us at game day that just said spoilers with the Purdue oh, yeah. on it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Michigan State loses 40-29 to to Purdue. Michigan State got it, I think, maybe within a score once or twice, but Purdue was pretty in charge of that game. Mm. You know, they were up two scores plus most of the game. Uh, probably the biggest shock, number four, Oregon. Uh, the Ducks, even though losing to Stanford, uh, having a couple close calls, including Cal, were actually down early to Washington in this game, uh, survived in Seattle versus the Huskies. 26 to 18 uh, at number five um, was the Buckeyes. I think kind of in the area where some people would expect them to be at four. Some of them expect them to be a couple. I had them at six. A couple down. But five, I mean, again, assuming they were going to give UC a legit shot, I yeah. guess was my thinking. So, that, so, yeah, well, I mean, some of us expected maybe the, the committee was going to favor the undefeated and maybe have Oklahoma up there. So, OSU maybe. Uh, committee is saying, I guess, this. Win over Ohio State means a whole lot. So, twenty six or uh, Ohio State at five, twenty six seventeen winners at Nebraska. Uh, some ups and some downs, but overall taking care of business. Not exactly the the prettiest game. <sighs> no man, it, it was a fucking shit show. I hope I expect them. I would have expected them to get dinged if MSU hadn't lost. That was, I, I mean, we all saw the UC shit, shit show as well. But well, yeah, that happened. The, they were both. They later. were both. Yeah. So uh, then at number six coming in, yeah. in the top six uh, was Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati had a just a weird game because it, it was fourteen to nothing like ten minutes in, and they just looked like they were cruising. Let Tulsa get back in fourteen to twelve. Then beginning of the third quarter, same thing, cruising, two touchdowns early. Let Tulsa stick around. They got back into the game and then let them drive down, stopped them on fourth down, forced a fumble. Or sorry, uh, stopped them on fourth down, then immediately fumbled, then stopped them on fourth down, <laughs> forcing a fumble into the end zone, and were finally able to kneel the ball. Um, just a lot of mistakes overall. And once again, uh, a game against a... Not great team. Uh, that, uh, I think Tulsa's better than the record. To be fair, Tulsa. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the, they are much better. Than the, the one record, thing but. that you will say, and a lot of I saw some bickering between Ohio State and Cincinnati fans. They in both the, look in e- the fourth equally. quarter. Tulsa was within a score against. They Ohio were. State I'm too, saying it was so, the same damn yeah. game almost. So you know, oh, uh, really, Ohio State just got that late pick six. But mm-hmm. once again, a lot of these teams. You know, either pretty much all in close games or lost in Michigan State's um, Yeah, none spot. of them looked impressive. Uh, um, and then, except for Georgia, who just yeah, seems to be rolling. Yeah, they're rolling. 
Uh, and then, you know, to, to round out the top 10, you have uh, Michigan, who beat Indiana pretty handily. That was probably one of the next closest impressive ones in the conference, just especially for Michigan's history of always completely and utterly falling apart yeah, uh, in November. So The question is, with Michigan State's loss, but Michigan State having the win over Michigan, how high do they drop or fall or yeah. you know or how high does michigan jump or how low does michigan state fall oklahoma on a bye which has actually probably helped them just not looking bad uh <laughs> wake forest the one undefeated left in the acc falling in a thriller what 55 53 was wild to unc and then notre dame solidly taking care of business for Navy, but once again, they're in another weird spot where they lost at home to Cincinnati. So it's a question of how high do they raise? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of parsing that needs to be done by the committee. Um, now we're starting to get in the meat of the schedule. Where you start getting some of those like opponents a little bit here for a little clo- little closer comparison. I don't always think it's fair to compare depending on when they played. I mean, I, I think you can make the argument you brought up Michigan, Michigan State. I think I wouldn't have any problem with them putting Michigan in front of Michigan State considering Michigan controlled most of that game. And it was a road game. And it was a road game. Yeah. You know, I know people would throw their arms up in the air because of just a couple weeks ago, but, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, the question is, Tuesday night we'll find out the second College football rankings, obviously, still a ton of football left to play. I mean, none more obvious than Ohio State, who's got Purdue, who really? looks like an interesting team. I mean, I hope the they're least. ranked. If they're ranked, that'll help. Uh, Purdue, Michigan yeah. State, and then Michigan, and then maybe potentially maybe. the Big Ten, probably Wisconsin at the title rate. game. Yeah. yeah. So then, I mean, you know, still. Uh, you know, Georgia doesn't have a super difficult schedule finishing out. Bama still has the Iron Bowl, and then potentially they'd have each other in the SEC championship. Um, you know, Oregon doesn't have a lot of schedule helpers, but, you know, they've looked shaky so far. Hey, look, so. It, 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 I, I don't know what to say about Oregon. Guys, are you aware of Stanford has lost their <laughs> last two weeks by a combined score of 72 to 20? I mean, they have just gotten. They their lost fifty-two ass. to seven on Friday. They, yeah, they lost fifty-two to I, seven to Utah. They have just gotten their ass. I mean, into the ground the past two weeks. <laughs> they lost the week before that. They lost. I just their last win was Oregon. I think. Yeah, they've lost their last. They, win there, there's no way. I said this from the beginning. There's no way. It's it, unbelievable. There's no way Oregon wins out. I don't believe it. The Pac-12, the conference of cannibalizing each other. That they will. They lost to a team that in their last four games that they've lost, in three of those losses, they didn't score more than one touchdown. Or maybe that's a missed (laughs) extra point on the one. In the last seven games, Stanford is two and five. Their wins, both first power five opponents, Oregon, as as for mentioned, and the powerhouse of the SEC, Vanderbilt. So, uh, not exactly the most impressive... Uh, that team beat. That's their loss. I don't care who they beat. Oh, I, Ohio I, State Buckeyes, Kent State Golden Flashes, Wright State Raiders. I'm telling you, I don't care who they beat. And honestly, they the, lost to this the horrible Washington, team. The Washington loss might very well... Washington's real bad, too. Let's not forget 
what we're talking about when we're talking about the Washington Huskies, that might be enough. They might get knocked down a peg. I mean, well, they yeah, they barely beat Washington, and Washington is atrocious. So but honestly, if you look at the Pac-12, you could literally look at every single one of those teams and be like, they're atrocious because like, they've uh, that conference is a complete shit show. Like, are you to tell me that we're going to get to the end of the year and Stanford's just going to whoop the shit out of Notre Dame? No, no, like, no, no. Like, I don't understand Oregon, what's going on with Oregon that conference. Oregon won't be there. I don't think Oregon's really a problem for anybody. I really don't. I don't think Oregon's a problem for anybody. I think they Oregon... They still have to go that. I mean, if you look at how uh, Stanford played against Utah, they still have... They have to go to right, Salt they, Lake in two weeks. That's now. what I mean. I don't, I don't think... I think Oregon's easily got one more loss. I just... For them to rank Oregon there is... is it is the single worst ranking or seeding that I have ever seen in sports. I think the Bama one's worse, in my opinion. Uh, it's pretty bad. The mean, Oregon one... Because the, the only logical reason you would put Bama that high is doing the one thing the committee swears every year they don't do, and they just clearly, blatantly said, fuck you, is that they don't look at last year. Right. Why else would you put Bama at number number two? I'm not saying, Tom, that number two... You're clearly favoring it, which Bama's never looked like the number two team. I mean, look what's happening to Florida. Florida fired people this week. Florida got rolled by After South getting Carolina. rolled by South Carolina, and Bama was lucky to escape. Bama only right. escaped that game because Florida came out flat foot. They only dominated one quarter. For the next three quarters, Florida manhandled them. That's what I'm saying, and they man. Barely, and any, if LSU had any sort of offense at yeah, the end of that game. Any yeah. of these people, and it's especially, I think one of you mentioned it earlier with Ohio State and Cincinnati fans bickering right now. You watch these teams, and that's what I'm saying why the Bearcats should have a chance in this because aside from Georgia, there's no real clear cut. Like, no, there's not. These, no, these I'm people agreeing will with kick you. Your butts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole narrative that the Bearcats would get absolutely thrashed by playing Alabama or Ohio State right now, like you can't tell me that either of those, any of those three teams have impressed you very much over the past couple Bama, of weeks. Bama had six, count them, six rushing yards against LSU this past count Saturday. Six. One, That's two, your number three, two four, team in the five, country six. who's built around running the football had six rushing yards against a team who has fired their coach for womanizing and is basically just riding out the year. And the running back that they were talking about on game day, because really, I mean, you know, minus 22 of the yards were, were from Bryce Young. But their right, big but running still. back, Brian Robinson Jr., 13 carries, 18 yards. That's 1.4 yards. I mean, it doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't matter if Bryce Young lost 22 well, yards. That's still a And here's the thing. I was listening to ESPN 1530 uh, on my way up to work after college. we went to college game day on Saturday. And they were yeah. taking calls about... Um, the bear, kind of what we're talking about now, you know, who should be where should have, then they got to the Bearcats and should the Bearcats be higher? This guy calls in and he says, you couldn't name me three players on the Cincinnati Bearcats roster that would start at Alabama. And they just kind of laughed at him. I think they hung up on him and they were like, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. For one, Jerome Ford, the running back transfer from Alabama for yeah. two. Majay Sanders, Kobe Bryant, like any, maybe any of those guys Sauce on defense. Gardner? Sauce yeah. Gardner, yeah. Like, like right now the Bearcats have like three, maybe four first two-day draft picks. Yeah. No, yeah. And and I'm not it, it's not all about talent. Let's not forget. There's yeah. a lot of intricacies and things that go into playing football. I mean, that helps a lot. 
But if you're not a well-coached team or it's just not coming together, and we can you can have all the five stars you want. all those intricacies and everything, and I'm not trying to make this I mean, all about the That guy probably said the same thing about Ohio State. Yeah. And their best receiver couldn't even crack the three deep. That's why he's at Alabama. I mean, I'm just saying. Right. For comparison's yeah. sake, every Bama fan's going to say shit like that. And honestly, even if you look at Ohio State, they have these two great, you know, first-round talents at wide receiver. Guess what? It's the third guy who had the second most receiving yards. And the, mo- and the set the single game reception. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I one whatever you put in, you could say based on five stars or whatever. But you also look at all these five star guys that transfer out after you know yeah. two years, and it's like you know what? One of the guys that actually couldn't make it in uh, UC's running back room, uh, what Tavier Thomas is part of the reason why Stanford lost 52-7. to He is absolutely killing it at Utah right now. So we even have guys that are leaving who were killing it in Power 5 conferences. Yeah, power guys five, yeah. that can't get on the field at UC that are blowing it up at other Power 5 schools. Yeah, I just... It's... We have got to move past this. Like, as a sport, we have got to move past this thing and start watching the games and, uh, and give credit for winning when you win. Coach Fickle and Des Ritter apparently were upset with everyone in the locker room after the game because they weren't celebrating enough. Yeah. You, like, we still won. We still won. We're still undefeated. Still have a 25-game home man. win streak. Uh, and, uh, winning it, going undefeated is hard. Winning is hard. Um, yeah, I, I think I made that. I say that all done the whole time. I mean, it's Georgia, UC, and then there's three or four other teams, including Ohio State. Ah. They're there. I don't know, though. We There's a seen lot of it. teams yeah. that are there, you know? So I think the question... That's quite, what I'm Will they be yeah. there at the end? Right. So I guess the, the question to kind of wrap this up is... And I mean, you've seen... you Maybe take this with a grain of salt because you saw where, where our predictions last week. But having a week to kind of get the baseline of where the college football playoff committee is at... Yeah. On Tuesday... Who are your top, let's say, top four plus two? So top six teams. Oh, you want my order? Yeah. Do I have to base, or are we supposed to base off the committee or just my opinion? Well, we'll base it off the committee. What, what you think will, what, what you think what the I committee think, will um, I think the committee, they're going to go Georgia. I, I want to do it. I still think they'll put Bama at number yeah, two. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Uh, and then we'll go... Oregon. Oof. See, I, I'll go Oregon. I don't know, Josh, do you got yours? Sorry. I, like, I think I'm mine, really thinking. I think mine would be right now. I've been thinking about this all day. And Georgia. I can't. No, I can't. Georgia. And I, I, I had some issues at like five, like three through, I mean, three through like 10 at this point. I think you would have um, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan State, Cincinnati, and then Michigan and Oklahoma. Really? You don't think they'll miss Cincinnati up at all? No, I I don't think they want to. I think they'll find a way, but I think there's these weird areas where I think if Oklahoma would have gotten a solid win, then maybe they randomly jump up. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things where they're worried about having to move Cincinnati up, so they 
just drop them a little bit. Maybe Michigan jumps over them. But the other question is, since they value the Oregon win so much, they value that Michigan win so much, and they want to value those other wins more than the you know, Cincinnati Notre Dame win. Because you were looking at, you know, the way the committee does these rankings, you know, Mississippi State was who's ranked 17 was three point dogs to an Arkansas team that's, you know, like last in the SEC West. Right. So it's all just they're all basing it off the rankings that they own that they make. So mm-hmm. they can push whatever narrative that they want. And I think they will find a way in one of their paragraphs to say, well, Michigan State lost like Oregon lost. Right. But they lost on the road and they have this great win over Michigan. So we're going to keep them at five. And I think Ohio State gets bumped up to four and can't push past Oregon because of early season. Mm. All right. I might go Georgia, Bama, Oregon. See, this is where I start getting into. Uh, I, you know what? I, I, I think they're going to get ballsy. I think they're going to. I could see them bumping. I think it could go UC, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I think it's going to be. I think they just. Bump I'm being optimistic. State out there, they go Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and then I don't know. I see. <laughs> this is the thing: is that this list. I mean, this is like when I first saw this ranking. I didn't get to watch this show, so I just saw all of it all at once. I and I swear to you, I, took a I nap swear that builds man. into their bullshit. That that look it looks like a list that like some kid that runs like a college football sports talk or something like that like <laughs> yeah, some kids like rankings some on that it's like what are you old, talking 20 about twenty something year old idiots that run a beer yeah, sports right. podcast yeah, would say it's like well, what are you talking about <laughs> I just don't know like I just don't know what we're doing here with this I really don't it'll be interesting to see what happens this week that's a real question. Where do you think Cincinnati will end up? Where do you think the Buckeyes will end up? Let us know at 30 Rack of Sports, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Any idea who Bama plays this week? What's brewing? Ohio. Uh, Guys, we're going to start in Columbus, and I think there'll be a couple more of these coming out regionally in the coming weeks from our friends at ohiocraftbeer.org. Uh, go there to uh, find more readings on all of these. But as we stated earlier in the show, it is that time of year to be getting the holiday beers out. Christmas. And so we just got they just got a nice list of seasonal brews appearing across central Ohio starting in November. Uh, Barley's Brewing, their Christmas ale tapping, and 29th anniversary party uh, Friday, uh, November 5th. So that beer's out now. Barley's good. Uh, Ill-Mannered Brewing. This one, uh, I'm reading these because they're all great names. Chimney Lube, Spiced Winter Warmer, and Old Mansky. Old Ale. I love those old ales about to They named a beer out. after you, Zach. Old Mansky. Uh, those are coming soon in November. Land Grant Brewing. Uh, Tinsel Holiday Lager, brewed with peach and ginger. Are there peachy holiday pieces of tinsel in the beer? I hope in so. That ca- I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Noctura Brewing, uh, Parabolic Winter Wheat Ale, Side Swipe Brewing, Seasons Beatings Christmas Ale. Uh, that's out now. 
Sounds like the Browns over the Packers on Christmas Eve. Yeah, okay, and then, guys. guys, one that we recently just had, adding to their line of tea beers that we just featured on 30 Rack of Sports, Wild Ohio Brewing's Cranberry Tea it's Beer. Not Christmas Eve, by the way. Cranberry. Thanksgiving, E. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Day. I said season. Tis Packers, Browns, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, guys, you're well aware of the uh, gales of November that... Uh, you know, that severe storm that the SS Edmund Fitzgerald encountered in in the Great Lakes sank to Lake Superior, uh, November 10th, 1975, claiming the lives of all 29 members on board. Uh, of course, there is the uh, very, very popular beer from Great Lakes Brewing called Edmund Fitzgerald, um, but there is a it. new one, and it's got... Such a cool little, uh, this is from Ernest Brew Works, and it's got such a little can. We got to have this on because it's got a great can. Ernest goes to Brew Works. <laughs> to Ernest goes to Brew Works. Uh, Ernest Brew Works, uh, they are commemor- commemorating the 45th anniversary of the SS Edmund Fitzgerald sinking with a blackberry sour. Blackberry sour, one of my favorite Ooh. kind of sours. Um, Around this year's uh, release of the beer, Ernest's new downtown Toledo Tap Room will host a special education session. Uh, that's uh, happening tonight, guys, actually, as we record. Um, so That's why we're recording on the road. That's right. Know. Yeah, we're, we're making our way to Toledo right now. But for the beer itself, it's out now, and it's such a cool-looking beer. Give it a try. That's the... Uh, uh, Gales of November from Ernest Brew Works. And then, guys, we had to give a shout-out to uh, Greg and I's hometown uh, brewery, one of the first to kind of kick it off in Mason, Ohio, of the uh, the brewery movement. We want to congratulate Sonder Brewing on three years, coming off uh, fresh off their first Great American Beer Festival win. And, guys, this beer, is, I, I hope I don't miss it because it's been on the top of my list for a while. Sounds so good. They want a bronze medal for it. It's called French 75. It's a golden sour. Uh, it's aged in gin barrels and conditioned on juniper berries and lemon zest. So it's a very refreshing kind of beer, mm. but a heavy hitter there. And a bronze medal award winner at the Great American Beer Festival. So congratulations to that. And your three years, Sonder Brewing. That's what's brewing in Ohio. Guys, we're going to finish off our show as we always do. With our cheers for the week. Uh, before we do that, be sure to check out our Friday episode of 30 Rack of Sports. We're doing our college basketball preview as college basketball tips off Tuesday night in Ohio. Uh, first, want to give a shout out to Grainworks Brewing and their What's in the Middle uh, Cookies and Cream Stout. It's been a wonderful drink during the show. Um, interesting, but a very nice like dessert beer for the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a shout out to all of the listeners. Thank you again, as always, for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. To our cheers, Zach, who are you cheersing this um, fine Monday night? Under the radar, I'm going to cheers Julian Fleming, a wide receiver for Ohio State. Great out as champion, made his first start of the season. Uh, guy's uh, number one rated recruit in the country or receiver a couple years ago. Battled injuries. Back. Excited. Gonna add that depth there for the stretch run. So nice. Cheers yeah, in him, nice. sticking with it. Most guys would transfer out. Toughen it out. Toughen it out. Like Toughen the old school day. Check it out. Rub some dirt on that. <laughs> uh, Josh, who are you cheers in this fun? Oh, Greg, I'm gonna Monday. defer to you actually. Ah, It'll okay. decide what my cheers is. Uh so my cheers actually goes back to the to the good old days, kind of. 
Uh, I'm choosing um, Cleveland native who now lives in Cincinnati who showed up to greet his former coach at College Game Day, Tom Jackson, uh, who you might know from NFL primetime, longtime analyst, uh, part of that Denver defense, um, showed up at Game Day to surprise his former coach, Lee Corso. Uh, Jackson played for Corso at Louisville in the early 70s, um, and Corso has uh, called him before the, quote, greatest player he's ever coached. Probably isn't saying a lot. So, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Tom Jackson, a great uh, player. I mean, Tom Jackson's, Jackson's a great yeah, player, I know, but we're acting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But uh, shout out for, for Tom Jackson. Uh, and, you know, if you've watched College Game Day, you know that, you know, Corso's years are, are probably numbered, at least being behind the uh, – behind the mic so always nice yeah. to see you know especially some of those former players and and just to get the mood up it was a it was a real touching moment to see tj there mm-hmm. for his from former coach so uh shout out to tom jackson and you know just game day in general being at uc josh what about you guys i was going to make sure you didn't do this one uh because i'd never i'd never go up this to this neck of the woods to give a shout out nor to this team or uh or association rarely do i give oh, a shout man. out but there's a Spaniard in Ohio that Ricky. threw it down. Didn't know he still had it in him. Ricky. Ricky Rubio throwing down 37 last night uh, in Madison Square Garden. 13 for 19 from the field, all while dishing out 10 assists, too. Uh, I mean, the guy was looking like a 2009-2010 Ricky Rubio out looking there. Looking like Olympic Ricky Rubio. It was crazy. Also, Eight of nine from three. Yeah, I mean, he was just lighting it up from the garden. And uh, the Cavs, man, the Cavs are rolling right now. It's amazing. Uh, Shout out to Seven Rubio and four and so far have played the most road games out of any team in the NBA so far. We talked Five about that, and three on the road. We talked about that brutal yeah. stretch they had coming up, and they've handled themselves. So... Shout out Cavs. So shout out to the Cavs. And uh, once again, shout out to Grainworks and... Shout out to our fantastic listeners. Um, That's going to do it for us. We will be back once again Friday with our college basketball preview. Wrap things up for Zach. Opinions, good, bad, or otherwise. See ya. For Josh on the ones and twos. And go Bearcats. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. Peace.